0: Stoked and nervous. So pray for me because I've been like, ah. I'm like so, but I'm, I'm truly excited about it. Well, we, we, we do have a lot to read this morning, so if you will, turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. We will not finish this chapter this morning, uh, but we will be covering from verses 18 to 27. We're going to leave the last two verses for next week uh, in our next study. Um, and we will take that right into chapter three. So, chapter two of First John, beginning in verse one. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, he has. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world now by this we know that we know we know him if we keep his commandments he who says i know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoever keeps his word truly the love of god is perfected in him by this we know that we know him or that we are in him He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is, is already shining he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now but he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling stumbling in him but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes I write to you, little children, because you have because your sins are forgiven you for His namesake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known Him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he... Who does the will of God abides forever. Verse 18. Little children. It is the last hour. And as you have heard. That the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come. By which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us. They would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us, but you have been have an anointing from the Holy One and know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the, the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the son and in the father and this is the promise that you that he has promised us eternal life these things i have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you you will abide in him it's a lot of reading got through it so as we go back to verse 18 As we start off there, the Apostle John, in the last couple of studies that we have covered from verse 12 on to this point that we are covering this morning, has been giving his readers instruction in regards to the enemies that that believers face. He is giving them instruction, exhorting them, warning them of of, of these trials of these enemies that, that come after the believer. He is writing to all believers in general. As we look at what he has said as he addressed the believers in general in verse 12 where he says, I have written to you little children because your sins uh, are forgiven. For his name's sake. So he is, he is calling them little children. And that little children. In that particular verse. Carries the meaning of born ones. Speaking of Christian converts. Those who are born again. He is speaking to the church. In general. But as we saw in verses 13 and 14. He began to address three different types of Christians. That the Christian church is made up Of. When he begins to go in particular to the fathers, to the young men, and to the the, the little ones, he begins to speak to the different groups the mature, which are the fathers, the maturing, which are the young men, and then to the immature, the little children. Now now I share these things because there are five times in this chapter alone that the Apostle John uses the, the, the phrase little children five times in this chapter. And there are two different Greek words that are associated with the term little children. I've explained it, but I will explain it again. Because three of the times here in this chapter that we're looking at, he is referencing the born ones. He is referring to the Christian converts. Those who are born again. And we see that Greek word, little ones, in verse 1, in verse 12, and in verse 28, which we will not cover today. But those are the references that he makes to the little children that are the born ones, the born again. And twice, two other times, he refers to immature Christians. In verse 13, and where we are starting this morning, in verse 18. So in verse 18, he says, little children, it is the last hour. So once again, Paul, John is addressing the immature Christian. He's he's referring to those immature Christians who are new to the faith. They've just come to know Christ and they really haven't grown, but they are in the Father. They have known the Father. They've accepted Him personally in their life. And so they are the the, the new converts. Those who are are new to the faith, but he is also referring to those who have been saved for some time, but are still considered in that category of immature Christian. They really have not grown in their faith. They've they've been saved for a while, but they haven't haven't grown. They haven't matured. They haven't come to a place where, where they're beginning the battle more and more. And you know what? There's some Christians that really don't mind just staying there. And that's understandable. Because some people, it's like, man, they just want to be saved. They just want to make it into heaven by the skin of their teeth. They don't want to battle this world. And Satan is fine with them. He'll give them up. He'll say, Yeah, you're saved. You're going to heaven, but I will make you ineffective. And they're going, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. They 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 don't want to mature. They don't want to grow. But the warning here is to the immature Christian. But from what I gather here as I was looking at this and studying this, it is assumed that the mature Christian, the fathers, and the maturing, the young men already have the understanding of what he is sharing with us here. They've already been imparted with this kind of knowledge and they're understanding it, they're comprehending it, and and they understand the battle that is associated with what we are going to cover this morning. The immature haven't really even either heard it or they've heard it, but they've decided not to act on what they know. They just like to stay immature. But he is telling the immature Christian here. It is the last hour. It could also be translated, it is the end of the age. In other words, your time is up. It is coming to a close. In First Peter... Chapter 4, in verse uh, 7, it says, But the end of all things is at hand. And the Amplified puts that phrase or that portion there. It says, But the end and culmination of all things is now near. And John is basically saying the same thing. It is interesting that the Christians that were living in that day, that first century church believed that Jesus would return at any moment. They had no doubt about it, that Jesus would be coming at any moment. And they were living as though it would culminate and conclude in their lifetime. You see, Peter and John, both of the apostles there, when Jesus was taken up to heaven, they were both eyewitnesses of that. And as they stood there and Jesus is taken up, I'm sure they, their mouths were open and tripping of what was going on in the midst. And the angels tell them, why are you looking up in so manner that he has left? He will come back. And so their mind is, he will be back any time. They had no doubt about it. They believed the word of the angel that says Jesus is coming back. And at the time that Peter was writing his letter, it had been at least 30 years since Jesus had ascended. And so Peter, he had this expectation, this urgency, and when he shares in his word that everything was was culminating to him, it's like, it's been 30 years. (laughs) He, He should be back at any moment. And so when we read that John is saying these, basically the same words, that it is the last hour, it is at hand. For John, he is way closer than Peter was, because when he's writing this, it's now been at least 60 years since John had seen Jesus go. Now he hadn't written the book of Revelation yet, to where he saw all that was going to happen, But he was living with this expectation and this urgency that it was the last hour. And very much so. Because he knew. He knew the promises. He understood. And every Christian generation since then has expected Jesus to come back in their lifetime. And we should be no exception. Guys, he is coming back. He is coming back for his church. Oh, yes, he's coming to set up his kingdom, but he will snatch the church away before any of that happens. And so we should be living with that expectation that he is coming to rapture his church out of here. We should be more excited than these guys were back then because we are a lot closer than those two guys were. Way closer. And we should be living with this expectation. And you might be thinking, man, I've been hearing that for a long time. Well, guess what? Today is a lot closer than a long time ago. And some of you, you might be thinking, well, what if He doesn't come in another 50 years? Guess what? You'll be dead. So you should be waiting for His return or ready to meet Him because you will meet Him whether He comes to the... To to gather his church up or you die. But you need to have this expectation because there's work to be doing out there before he comes back. And that's why John is exhorting the, uh, the, the believers in general, but the immature, hey, you ain't got a lot of time. And you should be maturing in this and joining in the battle with everybody else. But he says this, he said, my little children, or little children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. I love that little phrase right there, right before the Antichrist is coming. I love when he says, and you have heard. Because that tells me that the fathers and the young men were teaching these children, these little children, the immature. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Before they got this letter John already knew that they were being told. He says, so you've heard this already. But I'm writing to you so that you can continue to grow and that you will mature in these things. Now John is the only one who uses the, the term Antichrist throughout all the Bible. You never see it anywhere else except in, the, in this letter. He refers, or the reference to the Antichrist is made in several other places throughout the New Testament in that sense. He is known as the one who shall come in his own name. And I'm going to give you some scriptures. You can write them down, look them up later. But he says, the one who shall come in his own name. And that's in John chapter 5, verse 43. The son of perdition, the man of sin, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. The lawless one. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 8. The beast or false prophet in the book of Revelation. Throughout the book of Revelation he is referred to as the Antichrist. So that's who the Antichrist is. Twice John uses the term Antichrist with a capital A. And it is making reference to the Antichrist. The Antichrist. But the other two times that he mentions Antichrist or Antichrist is with a little a. And he is making reference to false teachers. Those who have the spirit of Antichrist or the mindset of Antichrist. But they themselves are not the Antichrist. It says, by which... You know that it is the last hour. Because there were false teachers already in the first century that were coming on the scene, that had come on the scene, that were trying to draw away believers from Jesus himself. He is saying, By this we know. We know that the stage has already been set. Jesus left, he's coming back. False teachers have, have come. Jesus told us that they would. The stage is set. The final drama is about to play out. And guys, it has been being played out for the last 2,000 years. The curtain is about to come down. Because the, the, the stage has been set. We are, they were, we are at the end of the age. It is the last hour. Our time is up. It's time to get busy about our Father's business and the things that He has told us to do. Guys, we are not to be excited about the Antichrist. We're we're to be excited about Jesus Christ. You know what? I don't care about what the Antichrist does. He's coming. He's he's coming on the scene. But you know what? My eyes and my focus is not on him. It's on Jesus Christ. And that's where our focus should be, on Jesus Christ. And so in verse 19, and verse 20, it says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Notice with me here these two verses where Paul makes reference to they, and then he makes reference, but you. He, he, he's kind of distinguishing these, these two people, these two groups. John is making that distinction between the false believers and the true believers. Just like he has made the distinction between, as we have already covered, he, he, he's, he's making the, that distinction between those who have gone on and those who, who, who have remained, because that is the fruit. That is the fruit. The distinction is the, tr- the fruit that will be made man- manifest. Sorry about that. <laughs> Let the clutch out. Let it go. The distinction between the two that are mentioned here is the fruit that will be made manifest. They, or the ones that stayed and remained, and the others who left, they went out. That's where the fruit will will be made manifest. As I was looking at this, what came to mind was the parable of the wheat and the terror, in in Matthew chapter thirteen. If you know the story, the 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 the, the, the sower, which was Jesus, went out to sow seed, and it says that at night the enemy came and did the same thing. And in the morning, or when, when time came for it to start coming up, the, the, the worker said, Master, didn't you, you know, sow good seed? Why is there bad seed? Why is there terrors among the wheat? And they said, should we go and, and, and pluck out the, the terrors? And he says, no, let's wait until the end. Let's wait until the fruit is made manifest, then we can tell the two, because if you go out and you begin to gather, you might gather the, the, the wheat with the tares, and he didn't want that to happen. So it wasn't until the end, the end of the age, that the tares and the wheat will be separated, because by then the fruit will be made manifest. And it gives us a picture of how these false teachers can make themselves look like, sound like, and act like believers, but are not. Because the wheat and the terror, from my understanding, look really much alike, a lot alike, until the fruit comes out. Then you know which is which. That is when the fruit is made manifest. But he turns to the Christian, the the immature, but you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit and you know all things. And I like that. I like the fact that even though he is writing to the little children who are immature Christians, he tells them, but you, you are saved. You have an anointing by the Holy Spirit on you. And that word anointing means a smearing you are smeared with the Holy Spirit. Figuratively, it is a special endowment of the Holy Spirit. There's another word that's associated with it. It's unction. I like that word, unction. I don't, I don't think I've ever like really used unction, but I've heard the word unction. And Whenever you hear the word unction, you, you almost feel like it's like a little kick in the rear to get you going. It's like, man, you have that unction to do something. Don't just stand there. Don't just sit there. When we have the unction of the Holy Spirit, it's not so you can just sit and do nothing. The Holy Spirit is our, is, is our motivator to do what we have been called to do. There is an unction associated with it. There is an anointing that comes from the Holy Spirit that when it comes upon you, you are to do what He has said. He kicks you in the rear and says, come on. Let's get going. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and then he says, and you know all things. The, the, the inference here is what he had said to, to them back in verse 13 when he says, I write to you little children because you have known the Father. Because you have known the Father, because you have come to Christ, you know the Father. And because you know the Father, you know all things. It's interesting because he's talking to immature Christians. In other words, you have it all at your fingertips because you have come to Christ. Because you are in Christ, you have all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it's right here. It's right here in the Word of God. When, 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 when uh, Peter, I think it was Peter, he said something about um, the fact that, that they have come um, to, to, to the, the, the divine nature. And because they had come to the divine nature, he, they had everything that they needed for life and godliness to grow. He says, I've written to you because you know the Father. And because of that, you have become a partaker of that of the divine nature. You know all things. You know everything you need to know as an immature Christian to grow and to mature. It's right there. You, 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 you have the unction even to do it, to desire it, to go for it, to not just stay in that place of immaturity. I was telling first service, when I first came to the Lord, I knew nothing about what the Bible said. But I knew that I had done something to come to him and I wanted it all. I didn't want a little bit. I wanted it all. And some people are so just satisfied to stay immature. And I didn't want that. I, I, I mean, I still can't read well, but I could not read. I probably had a fifth grade reading level. But man, I started reading and I could not let go. I wanted it all. I did not want to be immature. I wanted to mature. I wanted everything that pertained to life and godliness, even though I didn't know that verse. I wanted it all. And that's what I'm encouraging you youngsters or you new Christians to desire what God has for you. He says in verse 21, he says, I have written to you because you know, you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that the, that no lie is in the truth. John here in verses 21 to 23, guys, listen up. He spells it out so simply to the immature. It is all right here. Because he wanted the immature to mature. He didn't want them to stay there. He wanted them to to continue on. And so he lays it out very plain, very simple. And, and, And here's the difference because of how he lays it out. It's the difference between the truth and a lie. Very easy, very simple. Just like he's distinguished between light and darkness, between love and hate, between God and the world, there is a line that he has drawn right here and it's very different, very vast here. The dividing factor between truth and lie is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Between the lie and the truth. The question to everything that has to do with faiths, with religion, with, with denominations, with sects, not sects, but sects, as in groups, with cults, with secret societies, the dividing factor in all of that, you name it, whatever it is, whatever group, whatever sect, whatever, whatever, the dividing line is, who is Jesus Christ? And he spells it out here so simply for the immature Christian to grasp, to understand, so that they would know the truth. Because the truth was already in them, in Jesus Christ. He wanted them to understand this. If anything other than God come in the flesh, is what other people are saying, they are a lie. Do not believe them. If you are at a place where you don't know the difference, He's spelling it out for us right here. Jesus Christ is the dividing factor in all of that. If anyone denies Jesus Christ, that He is the sent one, that He is the promised one, that He is the Messiah, they are a lie. They, 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 they pertain to that portion. And you as a Christian should not be swept away by it. Jesus never said that He was a way or a truth Or a life. He said he is the way. The truth. And the life. No other way. There are no two truths. In any of this. Not when it pertains to faiths. Or religion. Or denominations. Or anything like that. Any secret society that says. No we have the truth. It's like no you don't. If it does not have to do with Jesus Christ. You do not have the truth. Guys we are not to just believe. Uh, every spirit and this, this is where the, the 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 immature they believe whatever's been told to them instead of going to the word because it says in verse one of chapter four my beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirit whether they are of god because many false teachers have gone out into the world by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Anybody, any faith, any religion, any group, whoever they, whatever they call themselves, if Jesus Christ is not God in the flesh, turn them away. Walk away from them. They are not of God. They, they are liars, is what he's saying here. The, 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 there is no way that, that any group can say, well, I believe in Jesus, but... It's like, done. Liar. There's no nobody that would say, well, it's Jesus Christ and... It's like, no. Not and, not but. It's Jesus Christ alone. He is God. And they say, well, yeah, He is God, but you have to... It's like, no. It, right here, he play, it plainly lays it out for us in verses 21, 22, and 23. Anyone who does not... Believe that Jesus is Christ, he is Antichrist, and he has denied the Father and the Son. Because there are people, it's like, well, I believe in God, but not Jesus Christ, or that he is not God, it's like, then you're a liar. You cannot separate the two, they are one. And so, if anybody says, well, he was a good teacher, bah. liar, he was a prophet. No, he's God. Oh, he was a good man. No, he is God. If they are not claiming that Jesus Christ is God, they are false. And guys, there are churches around here, there are really nice people that come to your doors and they tell you, oh, we are. It's like, no, you don't. Because they are saying Jesus and or Jesus but. And they are liars. And we need to look at them as liars because even a half-truth is still a lie. Jesus is truth. There's, There's no skirting that. The only reason that the Jews wanted to kill Jesus is because He made Himself out to be God. That is the only reason. Go through the Gospel of John. And when you get to John chapter 5, when Jesus says certain things about his father, he calls him father, he was placing himself at the same level as God, and that's when they started picking up to- stones to kill him, but he got away from them. And every time you see that they had stones to kill him, or they wanted to kill him, is because he kept on saying that he was God. And to them, that was blasphemous. You cannot claim to be God unless you are God. And Jesus is God. There's no way around that. And anybody coming to you to say that they are Christian or they are part of the Christian church, but they don't believe or they try to separate the two, they are not of God. And you should not be swept away by this. And this is why he continues to tell us that we are to know what the truth is. You cannot believe in God and not believe in the Son. Because the only way to the Father is through the Son. In verses 24 and 25 he says, Therefore let that abide in you which you heard. John was talking about what they had heard was the word of God. And it was to abide in them. And I've shared this with you in recent past that the word abide means to stay give a give a given place state relation or ex- expectancy continue dwell endure be present remain stand tarry in other words it is to be at home it is to abide it is to dwell within you not in your not in your head but in your heart the word of god is to abide in the believer that which you have heard is to abide and the promise that comes with, with that abiding is eternal life as he shares in verse 25. It is to abide so that it could bear fruit and the Father will be glorified in it. When it comes, or when you have time, read chapter 15 of the Gospel of John. It is all about, the first half especially, is all about abiding in the vine, which is Jesus, which is the Word of God who came in the flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, because He is truth. In verse 26 through 27, He says, but the anointing which you have received... No, uh, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. This is one of the reasons that I shared with you as we started the book of 1 John, that there was four reasons why he was writing this book. In the first chapter, he says, I write... To you these things that your joy may be full so that you can have joy. In verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, I write these things so that you do not sin, so that we can keep away from sin. The warning to keep away. And this is the third reason why he is writing this book to us concerning those who try to deceive you. And the fourth reason that he writes is so that we can understand eternal life. He's warning the believer of those who would try to deceive. It's not that the mature or the maturing, the fathers and the young, young men, were not dealing with people wanting to deceive them because it's a never-ending battle. I don't care how old you are in the Lord, you will always have challenges of people who try to tell you, no, this is the way it's supposed to be. It's like it's not, if it's not according to the Word of God, you're lying. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry you're lying and I will not believe it if it is not from the word of god if you tell me that is jesus but um, you're lying. I, I, you know, so so it's not like the mature I, stop battling these is- issues. You just know how to battle it a little bit more because you're more acquainted with what the Word of God says. And He's telling the the, the young believer, the immature, that you need to be grounded. You need to be rooted because the Bible tells us that if you're not in in, in Ephesians chapter four verse fourteen, that you should no longer be children. It says, tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the, craft, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. If you're not maturing, if you just want to stay as an immature Christian, you'll probably be tossed to and fro from winds of doctrine. You'll hear something that's like, well, that sounds good. It's like, it's not good. It's not biblical. Because you should be knowing what the Word of God says so that you're not being tossed to and fro. He says, but you have The anointing which you have received. And once again, he is talking about the Holy Spirit that lives, abides, makes His his home in every believer. And He is at work continuously in our lives if you let Him. He wants to be at work so that you can continue to grow, to come to the source. When you hear some doctrine there, you're going... Ah, oh, jeez, man. Jesus is not, not like the focal point there. He's saying that, well, Jesus is okay, but... And it's like, no, you go back to the source. Because the Holy Spirit has, has given you that check. That you're not supposed to understand or believe all those winds of doctrine that come this way or that way. In and and, and John chapter 14 and 26, he says... But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance the things that I said to you. The things that God has said to people today comes from the Word of God. He can't bring anything to your remembrance if you have not read it or heard it. He can't because it's not in there that's why it's important for you who are immature to come to the word and begin to read it on a regular basis to devour it to to let it rest in your life and become your life so that you know that when something comes up the holy spirit who lives in you will bring it to your remembrance because there's people that say man i read and i don't remember anything just wait until the trial comes when the deceiver comes, and you'll go, whoa, wait a minute, I, I, I remember reading something, or I remember something that, that said that if it wasn't about Jesus, then I should be careful. If it was and or but, I think or but and and whatever it is, but it was something. So you almost stab back, it's like, uh, no, no, you know, do the old cross thing, it's like, no, get away from me. Until I go to my Bible, until I know what the Bible says, then let me battle this issue. You really don't have to battle it. They're liars. You don't, have to, you, you don't have to defend the truth. It is the truth. But he will bring it to your remembrance. For you, immature Christian, there is no new revelation. If it is not in accordance to the, to the word of God, there is no new revelation. Not at all. Now, to you who are brand new, you're reading going, man, it's all brand new. Yes, but from here on out, it's all reminder. But, but if somebody comes to you, it's like, well, I know it's not in the Bible, but God revealed this to me. Put the, put the cross up. <laughs> That's what you got to do. There is no new revelation. We have the Word of God, and it is complete. And if you don't know it, then get to know it so you know what it says. Because there is no new revelation. I don't care how sincere they may be. I don't care how nice they may be. I don't care how family oriented they are. They are liars. And You need to stand up for the truth in that sense. Don't believe the lie. If they are not bringing salvation through Jesus Christ alone it is a lie. If they're telling you that you need to do anything else other than what the Word of God has already said, then it's a lie. Anyone who brings you anything other than the Word of God, they are to be accursed, banned, excommunicated, because it's not a game. Galatians 1, 9, 6 through 6-9 says, I marvel that you are turned away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now say again, If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. If they are bringing anything other than the word of God, straight up, they are to be banned. They are to be accursed. Guys, it's, 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 it's not that we... It's like, hey, we have the only thing. No, this is the Word of God. It's open to everybody and to anybody. But if anybody else comes to you and says, yeah, well, it's the Word of God, but... or and, it's like... Mm-mm. It's not something that we have created, that man has created. God has given us His Word. He used these apostles back in the day who were full of the Holy Spirit and all Scripture is, is ordained by God. And so if anybody else comes in trying to bring something other than that, they are a We don't even have to mess with it. To the Christian, you, that are mature, immature, whatever stage in the game you're at, you are to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Even the mature, there's still room for growth. Till the day that we breathe our last, we are to continue to grow. Because Christ has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light and we are to walk in the truth of the gospel and not in the lie of this world or of man. For you who are here this morning and you find yourself not knowing where you stand with Christ and you know where you stand with Christ because if you say, well, I think I am, then you're not. I think I'm a Christian. It's like you you, you can't just think. You have to know if you are or not. Guys, that's how serious it is. If you're in a place where you think you might be a Christian, then you're not a Christian and you need to come down here after, uh, after, as we sing to, to, to accept Jesus in your heart because it's not a game. You need to know, even if you're an immature Christian, you know that you're an immature Christian, but you are a Christian nonetheless because you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit and the Word has abided in you. And so you need salvation today. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't know where you stand with Christ, then you need to know today. Today, the truth has been presented to you from the word, not so much from me, but from what we read in the scriptures this morning. It's been presented to you. And so now the word of God has been placed in your court. The ball is in your court. It's time for you to make that decision. And guess what? You can reject it or you can accept it. It's up to you. You can receive it. But you see, we have given it to you. The gospel has been presented to you. The truth has been presented to you and you cannot ever claim from this day forward that you didn't hear. Oh, you might be sitting there going, I kind of slept the whole time. It's like, I'm sorry. It's not my fault. You were here. The word went out. Maybe you were awake at the beginning and you slept during the rest of it but you heard the word of God being read to you. So it's on you, it's not on me. Guys, my heart is that you would come to know Jesus. My heart for you, Christian, is that if you're ma- immature, that you would desire to mature and grow and join the battle. Because some of you guys are going, it's just too hard. And, and, and again, Satan will give you that to be saved, but he will make you ineffective if you, if you can. And I do not want you to be ineffective. I love you. Your desire would be to grow, to bring others into the kingdom of God. Amen? I'm going to pray. And as we pray, the worship team is going to come up. But if you are not a Christian, and you know that, we're going to have some prayer teams up here. And you can go to them, they will lead you to Christ. But I'll be down here for the uh, most of the song come up and I want to lead you to Christ but if you're sitting there and you're going oh I don't know if I want to go up man it's kind of embarrassing it's like really eternity is ha- hanging in the balance for you right now because you don't even know if you're going to make it home And my heart is that right now you would make that decision because you might be thinking oh what if my friend makes fun of me so what because he's not saved and he's going to hell let him go to hell you come to Christ let's stand as we close in prayer Father in heaven, we do come before you, Lord. And God, I do want to pray for the, for anybody who is in this room right now that does not know you. That God, even as we're praying right now, that they would begin to make their way up here, Father. That they would not stay where they're at right now, Lord God, not knowing you. They need salvation. And Lord, you want to give them salvation. And I pray that right now, Lord God, Satan would... Uh, or Satan would be defeated, that you would break the chains and that you would draw people to yourself, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters, whatever stage in the game they're in, Lord God, in life, whether they're mature, whether they're maturing, whether they're immature, that God, they would desire to grow in you, to understand more of who you are, Lord God, that you would give them the boldness, that God, you would teach them what the truth is, that they can distinguish the truth from the lie. Father, right now, God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would just work in the life of the believer to not be afraid, not to to be ashamed, but to boldly proclaim the gospel of Christ to those who are out there that need you desperately, Lord. Put them in situations where they will have to stand for you, Lord, God. And in boldness, they will share Jesus with others. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. It is power. It is salvation. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, there's people...